Right. Good morning. What a blessing it is once again to be together today. We want to ask God's presence and we will get right into our message for the morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. We ask that you will guide us and bless us, encourage us, and thank you again for Jesus Christ. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a continuation of our message, Lighting the World. This is part two, and it's called Sustainable Health Evangelism. We talked in our first presentation about the importance of what we call medical missionary work, or health evangelism is another way we can say it. And we're going to look at how we can make it sustainable. How do we do it so it's not just one program, one time per year, and then it's gone. I have a real burden for that. You know, as I've had the opportunity to travel around the world and see how things are done in many areas, I've seen that we as humans have a challenge, and the challenge is to keep something going. It's very exciting to get started with something, and you can rally a lot of people around it, and you can put a lot of resources, and then... You can do an event, and it might be an amazing event. It's really big, but then it's gone. And for me personally, I think that as Christians, as Seventh-day Adventists, we need to be in front of the people on a regular basis. We need to be a face that people can see, not just once a year, not just twice a year, but on a very regular basis, I would like to suggest, even on a weekly basis. Just like we go to church and we see one another on a weekly basis, what a blessing it would be if our community would see us as medical missionaries actively involved on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. So let's take a look at a few things together. First of all, what is health evangelism or what is medical missionary work? It is not just health education. This is very important. Health education is an important aspect, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of people who are doing health education in our world today. A lot of institutions are spending billions of dollars on health education, and they're putting together some very good programs. But it, that's not what we are about. And it's not just sharing Bible prophecies, of which we are supposed to do as well, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians living in the last days, we are called to share the three angels' messages. We are called to expose the work of Satan, and we are to look at the Revelation's cosmic conflict. We are to unfold it before the world. But we're not just supposed to do that. We are supposed to do a blend of those two things. So this is going to be a little bit of review. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee. What was he doing? Teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Again, the threefold ministry of Jesus Christ. It was powerful. If you look at the next verse there in Matthew, it says that the people came they flocked to him from all the surrounding area. They came to listen to him. They came to be healed by him. They came to be taught by him. Jesus had a very effective ministry. And if we follow his example, we too can have a great power and light the world for the glory of God. Ministry of Healing, page 19. During his ministry, what does it say here? Jesus devoted more time to what? healing the sick than to preaching. Again, uh, this is our call as well. We are called to heal people. No matter what our background is, no matter what our current vocation is, we are all called to minister like Jesus. Let's remind ourselves of the commission that Jesus gave His 12 disciples. Again, I like to repeat and then we're going to enlarge, we're going to expand, just like the prophecies in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. We're going to do the same thing 
And so we're looking at Luke chapter 9 once again today. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That is exactly what they did. Were they successful? Did the 12 disciples come back and have any report? Did they say, oh, it didn't work? Did they come back and say, oh, we're so discouraged? No, they came back rejoicing. They were, they were what we call on cloud nine. I mean, they had a really good experience because they were working together with God following the ministry of Jesus Christ, and it was powerful. And then the 70, Luke chapter 10, And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. What about the 70? Did they have a good report? Yes, they did. And was it successful? Remember, we read this before in Luke chapter 10. They were to go and prepare the way in every city and village where Jesus would shortly follow. Did Jesus have a good reception? Yes, in most places, the way was very well prepared. And so we see the power of medical missionary work in preparing the way for Jesus to come. To come the first time into those cities and towns and to come the second time to the world. That's what God wants. And then, of course, that great commission in Mark chapter 16. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and if you remember our presentation last time, we put a map on the screen that showed us where the world is in need. We saw that the world is a very dark place. In many areas, people have no idea who Jesus is. They have no clue, no concept about God's great love, His plan, and His soon coming. How are we to preach the gospel to all the world? In Matthew chapter 28, it says we're to go to all nations. Isn't that right? Now, a quiz question for you. Do you remember how many distinct nations there are in the world? Not nations as uh, are cataloged by the United Nations, but 16,600. That's excellent. Very good. Good. Good memory. And how many of those are considered unreached? Very good, 6,600. 40%, 40% of the world still needs to be reached with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And here we're told that we are to go and preach the gospel, but I'm going to share with you today that preaching is far more than just words. Preaching is far more than simply a message from the front of whatever room or auditorium it is. It's something much bigger than that. But again, we want to highlight in verse 18, the very last part of this promise, after it says that, They'll take up serpents and drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Let's talk about this for just a moment. Do you believe in miraculous healings? Yes. Do you believe in miraculous healings? Yes. Have you seen it? Have you seen those miraculous healings? As I've had the opportunity to travel in different areas of the world, I've seen different types of miraculous healings. And I'll tell you some of the extremes. Uh, one of them was very, very extreme. Uh, as I mentioned, I spent some time in the Philippines. And my main uh, task there, I was working with Adventist Frontier Missions. And we were planting churches. We were planting the Seventh-day Adventist church in uh, villages way out in the jungle. So... Uh, the at the time of this story, I had uh, left already. There were five churches that were planted that were growing quite well. And we had uh, trained some people to be village health care workers. They were um, natives of the area, and they were ready to go out and share. One evening, they received a call. Not a phone call. Uh, mind you, this was 20 years ago in the jungle in the Philippines, the way that they called is they yelled out into the night. That was the call. And they had a very unique way that they would turn anyone's name into a call. And so it was very interesting. So the call came from across the river. The river was the mighty Umni River. And what happened during the time of 
the typhoon is this river which you could normally walk through and which we did. That was the way we got to the village. We walked through the, the river three or four t crossings until we were able to get there. But on certain occasions when the typhoons came, this river turned into a massive boiling sea of water. I mean, it was, it was huge, as I mentioned before. Uh, this is what happened that particular evening. And obviously, they were not going to be able to make it across that river. There was really no way to get around. Well, there was. It was to hike all the way to the bridge and go across. But they weren't able to do that. They said, we'll go and we will check and see what's happening tomorrow. The next day, or the following, I don't remember exactly the sequence of events, they were able to finally get across the river. But even before they got to that little bamboo hut, they already knew what had happened. They could hear the, the crying. They could hear the wailing. They could hear the mourners already there. They could hear what they knew had happened, and it was true. As they entered in that little bamboo hut, the family and friends were gathered around the lifeless, cold body of a baby. This baby of course, had malaria, which was endemic in the Philippines. It was such a challenge. I mean, it was constantly we were battling against malaria, and this, this little baby was cold and dead. They took the baby in their arms, and, uh, you know, they said, what can we do now? Well, they were impressed with Bible stories. They were impressed with the power of Jesus and so they took the baby and they knelt down there in that bamboo hut with this baby and they said a very simple prayer. They said, Lord, we know that you are able to bring life back into this lifeless child. It was a simple prayer. It wasn't long. They were not there for hours and hours and hours. But a simple prayer. And that lifeless baby took a breath. That cold body warmed up. That little baby came back to life. Do we believe that God can do miracles in the world today? Yes, we do. That's one extreme. God can do those kind of miracles. God can bring the dead back to life. I love those stories. I've also had the opportunity to work at several lifestyle centers where I believe miracles happen every day. Every session where people come in, People are on the brink of the grave, in my opinion, some of them. You know, their blood pressure is so high. They have diabetes, some have heart disease, some have cancer. Literally, I believe one foot is already in the grave. But as the time goes by, the session goes, the diet is changed, people drink water, they start exercising, they start enjoying the benefits of this healthy lifestyle. They have the hands of God's medical missionaries giving them a nice massage, doing hydrotherapy treatments on them, counseling with them, encouraging them, and they recover. It's not exactly like bringing that dead baby back to life, but it is bringing back to life. It's someone who has one foot in the grave and they're back. That's what God wants to do through our churches through every member of his church. Again, that beautiful statement from Ellen White, we have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. Every member. Every member. Now, how do we do that? What is the practical thing? Well, let's look at a few things first of all. In Medical Ministry, page 259, the gospel of health is to be firmly linked to the ministry of the Word. It is the Lord's design that the restoring influence of health reform shall be a part of the last great effort to proclaim the gospel message. There's a couple of things we want to highlight here as we're talking about sustainable health evangelism. Number one is that the health reform, the health ministry, is part of of the package. It is not the gospel. It is not the package. It's part of it. 
The last great gospel message, as we understand, is Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 through 12, the three angels' messages. That is what the world needs to hear. And the health message is to play a very integral part in that. Councils on Health, page 73. God has shown that health reform is as closely connected with the third angel's message as the hand is with the body. How close is your hand connected to your body? Well, it is part of your body. It is right there. It's connected. You cannot... You, you just cannot separate this without extreme discomfort and extreme challenge. Let's look at a couple more quotations. Medical Ministry, page 241. This is a very interesting and thought-provoking quote. When the gospel ministers and the medical missionary workers are not united, there is placed on our churches the worst evil that can be placed there. What? The worst evil? How is it possible? I mean, they're both doing good things, aren't they? Well, there's, there's ministers who are there and they're preaching the gospel and there's people there and they're healing the sick. How is it possible that this creates one of the worst evils? Well, let's take a look at it on both sides of the coin. On the gospel side, first, let's notice this. The relation that exists between mind and body are very intimate. It is impossible. What's the word that's highlighted there in green? It is impossible for men, while under the power of sinful, health-destroying habits, to appreciate sacred truths. The mind has to be clear. The intellect is clouded. The moral powers are enfeebled. And sin does not look sinful. Now, is that the condition of our world today? Do most people recognize the sinfulness of sin? Obviously not. You simply have to look around the world, and might I say, even look around some churches, and we see that people don't see sin as what it is. We don't see how hideous it is, how much pain it causes the heart of our loving God. Notice as this goes on. It's a very powerful thought. The most ennobling, grand, and glorious themes of God's Word seem but idle tales. Do we not have, even among us as Christians, those who say, oh, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, those are idle fairy tales. That's not real. That's not a literal thing. The story of the flood, well, that's, you know, just a story. There's a lot of people from within the church who are saying these are but idle tales. Satan can then easily snatch away the good seed that has been sown in the heart, for the soul is in no condition to comprehend or understand its true value. Let's look at this from Our High Calling, September 17. It is thus that selfish, health-destroying indulgences are counteracting the influence of the message which is to prepare a people for the great day of God. These messages, the health message is to have a practical influence. It's to help people understand the gospel. It is to help them be ready for the coming of God. Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that? Ah, I can hardly hear you. I should hear the room resound. Do you believe that Jesus is coming soon? Yes. Jesus is coming soon, and the majority of the world is unprepared. And again, I say that there are a number in the church who are unprepared. It's a very thought-provoking idea. Now, on the health side, look at this. The medical missionary work should be a part of every church in our land. I just want for you to think about this in a very practical way. Again, our topic, sustainable health evangelism. Think about the churches that you know, maybe the church you're a part of, maybe the church that you have been associated with, churches that you've visited. Is medical missionary work a part, a intricate part, not just an appendage, but a vital part of that church 
that you belong to or have been with? I dare say that for the majority, it is no. There are some that are bright lights, praise the Lord for them. Wonderful beacons of light that are doing this, but the majority are disconnected. Disconnected from the church. It would soon become a strange medley of disorganized atoms. It would consume and not produce. Those of you who uh, enjoy nutrition and uh, so forth, when something is looking, uh, when it has a free radical there, when something has lost an electron, isn't that right? What does it do? Destroys. It doesn't consume. Free radicals are right here in this quotation. Councils on Health, page 514. Disconnected from the church, the health work is dangerous. There needs to be a blending of the two. If people see that we are intelligent in regard to health, they will be more ready to believe that we are sound in Bible doctrines. So, very important here. God wants us to be sound in our health practices. Not running to the extremes of the day. Are there extremes in health? Oh, there are extremes in health. There are so many. We could just have a whole seminar talking about that. But why do that? Let's just focus on what we know to be what is right. The good things. The the things that help the world see, yes, these people are sound in their practices. So, what are practical ways? Notice this. Notice what this uh, looks like. Some who are watching this presentation are doctors, nurses, physical therapists, massage therapists, dietitians, and others in a professional healthcare setting. And praise the Lord for that. That's wonderful. We have seen that that is, a, as I mentioned in our previous presentation, a lot of people have deep respect for those whose profession is health care. We'll just have to understand that fact. We also need to recognize that many people are actually waiting for those healthcare professionals to dialogue with them and to engage with them on a spiritual level. It was interesting as I was preparing a lecture for uh, Loma Linda University talking about the importance of prayer in the healthcare setting. I read several articles that really got me thinking. There were surveys that have been done, and the surveys were asking the people who were coming to the professional healthcare provider, doctor, psychiatrist, dietitian, you know, whoever it could be. And they were asked, how involved would you like your healthcare provider to be in your spiritual health? What do you think people said? Not interested or very interested? The answer was very interested. We would like our healthcare provider to interact with us on this level. And if you talk to physicians, if you talk to those who are delivering the healthcare, how many of them feel comfortable approaching the spiritual subject? That was very interesting to me. Very few. There was a nervous apprehension. They said, oh, that doesn't seem professional to us. But that is. That's what the people want. That's what they're looking for when they come for health. They're looking for that aspect. And as you have seen, there's been a major shift in regard to health care and health a lot of places are now on their websites. What are they promoting? Meditation. Not biblical meditation, mind you. They're promoting yoga and proper breathing and these type of Eastern mystical philosophies that are involved in those health practices, not the biblical ones. It is such an opportunity for those who are in that professional setting. And so I'm talking specifically to those individuals right now. Be very intentional in making a bridge between the physical health and the spiritual health. 
it is absolutely vital. There's a lot of my physician friends who have had an experience. They've been nervous. They said, ah, I don't, I don't think I can just pray with my patients. I mean, that's scary. That doesn't seem professional to me. I don't want to be meddling. But they've done it. They've said, you know, Rodney, we, we took the plunge. We said, we're going to try it. We're going to give an opportunity and see what God does. And there's a lot of stories I could tell you, but uh, one of them is a friend of mine who started out and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray with the patient. And the person who came in, the first one, was someone who was very hard of hearing. So he had to almost yell at the person. And it, he just felt so awkward, so uncomfortable, and said, this is just not going well. But by God's grace, he made it through. The individual survived. He survived. He started praying. And now it's his, it's his habit. And he said, very, very few people are going to reject the prayer. Even those who are, quote, atheists. When you're in a health crisis, it's almost like you're in a foxhole in the army, right? There are no atheists in the foxhole, right? When someone is going through a health crisis, they start to question all of their beliefs, everything. You know, that's when the life becomes very vulnerable, People understand how frail they really are. And so when this health care provider makes that entering wedge and says, may I pray with you, that can be huge in people's experience. That can be so big. So let's uh, be more specific. And let's look at medical ministry, page 27, paragraph 4. The purpose of our health institutions is not, first and foremost, to be that of hospitals. Very interesting statement. The health institutions connected with the closing work of the gospel in the earth stand for the great principles of the gospel in all its fullness. Christ is the one to be revealed in all the institutions connected with the closing work, but none of them can do it so fully as the health institution where the sick and suffering come for relief and deliverance from both, what is it? Physical and spiritual ailments. It's very clear. Many of these, like the paralytic of old, the, many of these need, like the paralytic of old, the forgiveness of sin, the what? The first thing. And they need to learn how to go and sin no more. It sounds to me, like they need their spiritual health addressed first. Very insightful. Very interesting. This is medical missionary work in its highest form in the, quote, professional healthcare setting. This is a very powerful statement. Listen carefully. Review and Herald, October 29, 1914. If a sanitarium, I would like to substitute in the word hospital, clinic, whatever it might be, connected with this closing message, fails to lift up Christ and the principles of the gospel as developed in the third angel's message, it fails in its most important feature and contradicts the very object of its existence. What's another way to say that? It should be closed down. It's not doing what it needs to be there for. It is simply consuming and not producing. Very, very thought-provoking. So, again, what are some examples? Praying with patients. So those who are watching this, those who are involved in health care directly, pray with patients. If you're a doctor, pray with patients. If you're a nurse, pray with patients. A therapist, a dietitian, whatever it is, pray with patients. It's powerful. Have Bible studies in the hospital or the clinic or whatever it is. That is a revolutionary thought, but it's a powerful one. Invite to small groups. As we talked in our first uh, section of Lighting the World, we talked about the power of small companies that go forth to do evangelistic work, ministering like Jesus did. 
Combine health and spiritual topics in seminars and counseling. Far too long there has been a disconnect between the two. There have been health seminars, there have been spiritual seminars, but they haven't really been blended well. We're going to give you a free resource that's very powerful in just a few minutes. Media in the waiting rooms. Media, we're talking about what's on the TV, what's, in the, what's on the stand that people can read. I mean, just think about it with me. When's the last time you were at a doctor's office? Probably most of you are, are, I mean, very healthy individuals, so I doubt it's been recently. But if you were there, most of these have magazines. What kind of magazines are people reading while they're waiting? That's another thing. People wait a lot when they go to see a health professional, right? They're waiting nervously, many of them, right? They're afraid of needles. They're afraid of a bad diagnosis. They're afraid. They're nervous. And what are they reading? They're reading Motor Trend, Sports Illustrated, and Newsweek, and Time Magazine. That is what is commonly found in the waiting rooms of the professional healthcare system. It should certainly not be that way when it comes to a closing message ministry, a healing ministry that is carried on by God's people. What should they be reading? They should be reading Steps to Christ. They should be reading the other title, Peace Above the Storm. They should be reading beautiful things about nature and how God works, Christ's object lessons. Those kind of things would be so beneficial. And instead of on the television screen, by the way, uh, it's actually become very popular and common to have these meditation programs that are in the waiting rooms. That's so sad to me. There should be beautiful media that combines biblical principles, beautiful scenery, sacred music, all of those kind of things, like Edgemont videos. Those are excellent. Here's an encouraging picture. If some of you might, uh, you might have heard of Loma Linda University before, and there might be some here who are saying, oh, Loma Linda is uh, sold itself away. It's, uh, it, it's in a bad shape. Well, it is true in every institution. Uh, there, are, there are challenges, but I like to look at the bright side. So here's a bright side. Let's look at a bright side together. What you see here is uh, the president of Loma Linda University, Dr. Hart, uh, with the pastor of the Loma Linda University Church. And he is stand, they are standing next to a literature rack. This literature rack, can you see what's on that literature rack? Look close. What do you see there? What kind of literature do you see? Desire of Ages is there. What else do you see? Steps to Christ is there. Praise the Lord. What else do you see? Signs of the Times. That is exactly right. It is written Bible studies. Ministry of Healing in its other title is right there. Those are the literature pieces that are available for patients in more than 100 locations throughout Loma Linda's network of campuses. Is that encouraging to you? Every month, 20,000 pieces of literature or so are being taken. Is that encouraging to you? 20,000. Are there results? Yes, there are results. These are seeds that are being sown. So be praying for this ministry. Uh, it, took a, it took a hit with COVID, I'll tell you that. So be praying for ministries like this to spring up all over the world in Seventh-day Adventist institutions. There needs to be a reform in this, and this is a good example of what can be done. So uh, here's a, a, a good friend of ASI and supporting ministries, Paul Damaso, and he is uh, showing one of the smaller racks that people can take a Bible study card, they can take an It Is Written Bible study lesson, and it is powerful. So what about the people who are non-medical? I'm assuming that uh, the majority of people watching this presentation or here are not medical professionals. What about us? I'm not a medical doctor. 
myself, I have a lot of friends who are, but what about those? Few can take a course of training in our medical institutions, but all can study our health literature and become intelligent on this important subject, medical ministry, page 320. All of us can understand the basic principles of the Seventh-day Adventist health message. And all of us can share it. All of us can share it. All of us are called to be medical missionaries. It's an important thing for us to understand. Most of the diseases today are lifestyle-related, and all can become intelligent in regard to helping others. Quiz question. How, what percentage of the population here in the United States is pre-diabetic or diabetic? What percentage? 70. It's not that high, praise the Lord. <laughs> that would be amazingly high. It's higher than 40. It's 51. 51. Now, let's let that translate into the practical reality of living. As we walk through the stores, as we go to the bank, as we go shopping, as we interact with people in the world, one out of every two people that we meet is going to be affected by diabetes directly. And then if you think about it, the other person that you see knows someone who is. That means that basically everyone you see is affected by this thing, by diabetes. Now, in years past, the Seventh-day Adventist Church has had wonderful programs in stop smoking programs, the five-day plan, right? Praise the Lord, we didn't, I don't think we ever had... 51% of the population who was struggling with that. But here's something that literally everyone is affected by. All of us can be involved in helping people to reverse diabetes. Diabetes is not a super complicated disease that requires a lot of uh, medical intervention. Of course, there are certain cases, but there are programs that we have, there are tools in our hands that we can help literally the majority of the population in a very practical way. So, let's look at it. First of all, we were encouraged to become informed. This is a review of what we talked about last time, but a few things are added. First of all, the book Ministry of Healing needs to be carefully studied and applied. Again, I have many friends who are physicians, and it's been interesting to watch them in their career path. There have been several of them who said, you know, after 20 years or whatever of practicing allopathic medicine and simply giving drugs to help my patients, they've said that was not fulfilling. That just didn't feel right. So they said, I, we need a shift. And what was the shift? They applied ministry of healing. And it's totally changed their life. So all of us can read ministry of healing. Again, that's such a practical book. Testimonies for the church. Specifically, what volume? Seven. Volume seven of Testimonies for the Church. The book Councils on Health. Wonderful compilation. Call to Medical Evangelism. Just a simple booklet. Fifty some pages. Everyone should read that book. Everyone should read that little book. Natural Remedies Encyclopedia by Dr. Agatha Thrash is a wonderful resource. The medical missionary training courses that we have at institutions like Heartland, Wildwood, Uchi Pines, Eden Valley, Weimar. Wonderful, wonderful opportunities. And by God's grace, they are growing around the world and we need a lot more of them. How many cities are there in the world that have more than a million people? I like statistics, by the way. I like numbers. More than 600. More than 600 cities like that. 
What would it be like if outside of every one of those cities there was a little medical missionary training school outside of every one of those? You think that would have an impact in the world? What if every large metropolitan area had several lifestyle centers out in the country that people could go to and recover health? Powerful, powerful thought. So what can we do as non-medical people? Health expos. Health expos are finally coming back during uh, the coronavirus pandemic. No one was doing health expos. No one was doing health expos, but they're coming back. Many people are doing this. And as I mentioned in a previous session, I believe that health expos should be done on a regular basis. I'm guessing that many of you have been involved in health expos before. How often did that health expo happen? Once a year, maybe. Maybe twice a year. You know, if, if someone's really organized, twice a year. I would like to say that in our current situation, we should do health expos once a week. Once a week. In a modified way. I'm not talking about the whole, the whole thing with 50 volunteers. I'm saying just take one of those principles of health. Just take nutrition, for example, and then take exercise. Those are two big things, all right? Just take those two things, have four volunteers or six volunteers rotate on a regular basis, put up those uh, banners, put up that information that you have with that small team, do some very simple screening, whatever is available, whatever you can do for those things. You know, the BMI test, the body fat index, very simple to do, taking blood pressure, something like that, doing the exercise step test, whatever it is, just doing those, and then rotate. Do something different the next week or the next month. But do something regular, regular outreach. And it doesn't have to be a health professional that's there. If it is, praise the Lord. But if not, don't worry. Again, I, I shared this with our class here, our missionary training class, but I, I just love this. Stores are open for health. Walmart opens its doors to community health screening. If you look very, very carefully and closely at these pictures, you will see that our team from Utah was inside Walmart. Yes, that's correct. They were inside the store, not at the parking lot at the very, very far end. They were inside. The store manager allowed us to push back the entire um, aisle. I can't remember exactly where it was in the store, but I was amazed. They just pushed all the clothes back, all the things back, and we were there for several hours. Isn't that amazing? I think a lot more of that could happen if we were to but ask. If we were to ask. It all depends on who you know and how you can make friends with uh, the manager. So a lot of people are open to this kind of thing. Then, of course, there are clinics. I have been very impressed with the Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. Amen. Amen. Amen does these small clinics at churches. And I, I believe there's a great power. I mean, I think it's wonderful if we can do bigger events. Some of you have likely been involved in your best pathway to health where the whole city knows about what's happening and people stand in lines. You know, I've been involved in a few of these and just uh, been able to interview people who have slept outside for at least one night, some people two nights, waiting for this service that was given to them. Dental service is uh, probably the highest on the list. I think if I were to go back to school, maybe I would be a dentist, but I hate, I hate being in the dental chair because I've had so many problems with my own teeth. I don't know if I could do it. But dentists have a special, special way to reach people. If you have problems with high blood pressure, do you feel it? No, not usually. If you have a dental problem, an abscessed tooth, do you feel it? 
Oh yes, you feel it. There is nothing like getting that taken care of. And so that is a, a strong felt need. So we encourage churches to reach out to Amen and have a clinic at the church. The church is where the action happens. Here's the free resource that uh, our good friend Vicki Griffin has put together with her team in Michigan. If you don't have these yet, I encourage you to go to the website, look up Balanced Living, and you can download 26 uh, free uh, topics. There are either video or PowerPoint presentations that you can do and you can share. They've put a lot of effort into these things. So 26 Balanced Living videos or PowerPoints that you can download. Again, just uh, type in your search engine, Balanced Living Vicki Griffin, and you will find the download link that is there. So, powerful presentations, wonderful way to make this practical, to make uh, the influence be felt, be known, be understood by people far and near. We've, we're talking about sustainable health evangelism. For something to be sustainable, there's a couple of things we need to keep in mind. Number one is we need to make a plan. Things don't just happen. Well, some things do. Chaos happens. Entropy. If you don't make a plan, it's going to fail. I mean, you didn't make a plan, so how can it fail? But the way it works is if you don't make a plan, chaos is the result. That is what happens. So we need to make a plan, and as I've shared in many different venues, you need to work the plan. As humans, we have a very short attention span. Isn't that right? We need to be reminded over and over again, where, what is the plan? Where are we in the plan? Where are we going? What are our goals? What is the whole idea of what we're doing? So making a plan, having regular communication, regular meetings, and in our world today, I tell you, trying to communicate is amazingly challenging. It takes effort to make sure everyone knows the plan, everyone knows the dates, everyone knows the needs. So you've got to work the plan. Work it over and over again. Then there needs to be a team to do sustainable health evangelism. If someone is not designated, it just won't get done. That's the reality. So making a team. Making a team. What kind of people do we need on that team? Let's just dialogue together. Let's think about what we've talked about here. What, who would you like on your team? If you're making a team, you're putting together a team for sustainable health evangelism, who do you want? Tell me. Healthy people, all right, that's good. That's a baseline. We want our people to be healthy, look healthy. All right, anyone else? Reliable, Reliable people, that's good. All right. Anything else? Willing people. Okay, willing, definitely, definitely, okay? So we've got some good descriptive words of the kind of people that we want. Converted people. Converted people, that's a very interesting one. Uh, we definitely want them to be the core part of our team, but I'll share with you that in some areas uh, where there's not a lot of health professionals, especially that are Adventist health professionals, we've used other people that are known in the town. They've come and helped us, and they have been so impressed. They have said, we want to learn more about what you guys are doing. So it's a powerful tool to bring people in as well. Of course, again, they're now part of your core team, making all the plans and strategic kind of things. But you, you bring in a doctor, you bring in a dentist, someone who uh, you know, is reputable and doing the right things. They might not know everything, but that might be the catalyst to bring them in to the church. It's powerful. All right, who else do you want on your team? Let's, uh, let's talk about like specific skill sets of people. Doctors. You would want a doctor, yeah, if, if at all possible. A consecrated, godly doctor would be 
amazing to have. Let's just face it. If someone has an MD, they have a white coat and a stethoscope, there's automatically trust. That's just the reality. I mean, for the most part. There are some people who are highly skeptical, but let's just look across the board and let's just face it that uh, there is trust that's there. So a doctor. Who else? A nurse. A nurse. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Someone, someone who is there, who has uh, the kind of nurse that you want is the kind described in ministry feeling. One that prays with the patients. One that reads the Bible with patients. One that sings to the patients. Whatever the case is, that's the kind you really want. But you want someone like that. Who else? A, a what? An EMT or paramedic. Yeah, that would be fantastic if you could have someone like that. That would be wonderful. They could do a lot of help. An organizer, I heard someone say. That's wonderful. Yeah, someone, to, someone who kind of sees a big picture and likes uh, organizing details and people and all those kind of things. Wonderful. Who else do you want on your team? What? A pastor. All right. Someone who can really guide spiritually, opening the Bible to the whole team, keeping them together, keeping them focused on prayer, shepherding the flock. A pastor. Beautiful. What else? We're missing a very vital component to this whole, this whole team. What? A fitness teacher. Okay, that's excellent. That's, that would be a good person to have, definitely. Someone who really enjoys uh, fitness and someone who does it in an uh, engaging way, who can challenge the young and the old and everyone in between. That's great, yeah. What else? Who else? Someone to do nutrition. Okay, a dietitian, uh, someone who uh, enjoys uh, nutrition aspect, someone who likes to do cooking programs. You know, some people are just, they have a, a, a skill that is amazing to make cooking fun, right? And in our world today, especially with childhood obesity, to make cooking fun for kids is something special. Uh, I've seen a few people over the years who are really good at this, and if you can have them on your team as well, fantastic. All right. People with a testimony to give. And hopefully that's going to be everyone on your team and uh, everyone that's involved in your programs. But that's excellent. Yeah, that's fantastic. I would also like to submit to you that what's really needed is a group of energetic literature evangelists. People who just love to knock on doors. Have you met those kind of people? I don't know if there are any here in this audience, but uh, you know the majority of people don't like knocking on doors. <laughs> it's a frightening thing. It causes sweat to break out and heart palpitations and you know all the other kind of things. But there are people who literally love it. They just love the thrill of being chased by a dog or you know being uh, slammed. Uh, or met with a gun at the door. Have you heard those kind of stories? You know, a call porter comes to the door and they, uh, the door opens and a gun is there. <laughs> what are you doing on my porch? You know, there are some people who love that kind of thing. Praise the Lord. You need them on your team. They are like the infantry, the front lines. They're going out there, you know, telling people what is happening. So many times we have great programs, but people don't know that it's happening. We need people who are willing to go out. And with that, in our world today, we need people who like technology. We need those tech-savvy people, those people who can make you know, whatever kind of posts on Facebook and TikTok and whatever it is to reach all levels of society and get them to come and be blessed. It's a very important thing. Then, of course, financially. If something is going to be sustainable, it's got to be financially sound. How do you do that? 
I'd like to encourage you to listen to a, a talk that our friend Dr. Randy Bivens gave on ASI Hour. I'm also the uh, Vice President for Evangelism for ASI, and uh, we had Dr. Bivens on our weekly broadcast, and he was talking about how to have 100 baptisms per year with a zero-dollar budget for evangelism. It's pretty thought-provoking, isn't it? A hundred baptisms a year for zero dollars. What do you do? Well, you do what Heartland is doing. You do what lifestyle centers are doing. You have a program that people want, that people come to, and they pay to come. They pay to come. There, uh, there were two programs that have been highly successful in uh, conversion rate from people going to a health program to end up in the church. Two programs that have been highly successful that can be run in any church. What are those two programs? Number one is Diabetes Undone. It's a program in a box. Anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. It's available in multiple languages. Uh, our friend uh, Wes Youngberg is the presenter. But what makes it so powerful is it's got the scientific approach, but it has a distinctive religious spiritual overtone. And so there's a direct correlation, and it has high conversion. And again, how many people suffer from diabetes? 51% are pre-diabetic or diabetic. Remember, we're talking also about pre-diabetics, which is a huge number of people that are, you know, they've got one, they're, they're dabbling with diabetes, we say. You know, they've got one foot over there. The sugar uh, insulin intolerance uh, is there, insulin resistance, all right? That was one program, Diabetes Undone. What do you think the second program was that had direct correlation to people joining the church? It was not heart disease. It wasn't an amen clinic, although amen clinics are a bridge to get people into the program. It is a depression recovery program. Specifically, uh, you know, the best one that I know of is uh, the Nedley Depression Recovery Program. It is just amazing. Eight-week program. We just finished one at our local church, but when uh, they did several different analysis of what kind of programs brought people directly in, what was very specific, what was very instrumental, it was this program. How many of you have been through that program? I'm just curious. All right, not enough. You went through the training, okay, yeah. The actual program is just an incredible program. It is very, very powerful. I love it so much because it combines the cooking school. The cooking school is there. So it, it, it touches people on all different levels of disease. It, does, it helps people with basically any lifestyle disease they have. They will be benefited from the program. And anyone with mental health issues of depression or anxiety. Now, how much of the world is anxious or depressed right now in our current society? 99%. <laughs> People are just scared. They're nervous. They're anxious. You just look on the internet and you, you find out what are the most searched for keywords. People are very, very nervous. They're very anxious. So this kind of program, these programs done over and over again and again and again, people are going to know where to turn because invariably they're going to have someone who's affected by these things. They're going to know where to go. They need to be done over and over again. And they are sustainable. doesn't cost a lot of money. You can actually make money, I mean, depending if you want to do that, but it's very easy to have a zero budget Zero budget. 
Evangelism can cost a lot of money if you just say, I'm going to do, quote, evangelism. If any of you have been involved in that kind of thing, you can have budgets of $60,000, $70,000. Easy. Easy. With advertising and campaigns and all of this kind of thing. Now, uh, I believe that uh, there is a, a place, a very important place, and we need to do public evangelism. I'm convinced of it. But I'm simply saying we're missing the right arm in many ways. All right, we have a, a few minutes for some questions as we finish up here. Anyone have a question or comment on what we've covered here for sustainable health evangelism? Yes, we have a question. Yeah. Well, if it's something or comment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, that, that can be a good idea, but if the food distributed is not healthy... Is not kosher? <laughs> could that be a counterproductive method of evangelism? Okay, so the question here... Why don't, you've got a microphone now. Why don't you just summarize that again so we can make sure that we have our viewing audience able to uh, connect here with us. Go ahead. All right. There are churches that do food distribution programs yes. in the community yes. as a form of evangelism. But if the food distributed is not of the healthy type, that would definitely not be used in a cooking class. Could this be counterproductive for evangelistic purposes? In my humble opinion, yes, without a doubt. That's highly counterproductive. If you're giving people something that you're going to tell them not to use... <laughs> And you're going to say, you know, we'd like to offer you a service where we come and we'll help you clean out your cupboard from those things that are probably not the best. Well, you go to their house and you take out the very things that you gave them. Yeah, that sounds counterproductive. <laughs> For sure. Anything else? Any other question or comment? All right. Let's, uh, let's try to get a microphone over to you just to make sure that everyone can hear. Yes, I, um, we've been involved in um, blood pressure screening vans down sure. in the Keys, and, and you know we've heard of them in other places. Right. And not personally in New York City, but those are very effective. I mean, people come on, you know, free blood pressure screening. They come on the van. I mean, that might be expensive to buy a van, you know, with the setup, but it's very, very effective. There's literature on the van. You take, you know, blood pressure screening. You pray with people. You get to, you sit down and you just can get very. I love close. the idea of van ministry. Van yeah, ministry. you can do a lot. I mean, blood pressure is one of the things. But you know, there's a a big thing in our world today in regard to um, restaurants that are run out of a truck, food trucks. That's a huge thing as well. So I mean. The sky's the limit on those type of outreach activities. Thank you very much for sharing. All right, anything else before we finish? All right, one more. Let's see what microphone gets there first. <laughs> well, this is more of a comment just to encourage uh, people when you talked about literature evangelists. Yes. Now, going door to door does give me a certain amount of trepidation and even terror. Okay. But I still do it. Amen. Now, if I can do it, anyone can anyone. do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's an excellent book called Healing the Broken Brain. Any of you read that book by Dr. Chalmers? It's a very insightful book, um, a lot of Bible and spirit of prophecy quotations, but what's uh, very important is it says every day we need to do something that we're not really comfortable with. It's, it, it's good for the brain. It helps us stave off Alzheimer's and dementia and those other things. Do something that you don't naturally like to do. And maybe you'll like it after a while. Maybe you'll be chasing the dogs instead of them chasing you. I don't know. All right. Thank you very much for sharing. Let's pray. Please bow your heads with me as we conclude with prayer. Father, we want to thank you again so much for 
health evangelism, medical missionary work. I pray that you will inspire each one of us here and inspire everyone who's watching and those who need to watch. Please inspire them to see how we can all be involved in this thing so we can avoid the worst evil that can happen in our churches where there's a distinct separation. May there be a blending like we've never seen before so that we can light the world with the glory of God. Thank you again for your love, your amazing grace, and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.